0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio.
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Maria Anton with you this morning, taking your calls 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500. Our next texter, Ton, says that their lawn is covered with fungus rings. What's the best way to treat it, and is this their time to do it?
3: It depends on what particular rings. If it is necrotic ring spot, the time to treat is actually in the spring when temperatures are around 70 degrees. But if it is fairy ring, then the fairy ring is one that just, it's a fungus that decomposes organic matter and it forms a ring and you have this dark green ring with a little bit of dead grass behind it. That one, if you really want to get rid of it, you can get your garden hose with a high-pressure nozzle and just go around the ring every six inches and just stagger, putting holes in the ring with your hose about six inches to a foot deep to increase the aeration. And sometimes that's effective. Fertilizing your lawn can mask them. But if it's necrotic ring spot, I recommend looking up the fact sheets from USU and maybe Colorado State. And then the what can be done right now is top dressing with necrotic ring spot-resistant grass seed, and some local vendors will have that, but fescues like the uh, turf-type tall fescue is going to be resistant. It looks like bluegrass.
2: Okay. Uh, next listener would like to know, when's the best time to prune a catalpa tree?
3: Sometime in mid-March. The catalpas, if they're the Hebelera elf-looking trees, they're, there's a process that, um where you cut off most of the branches near the, close to the trunk, it's called pollarding. And if you're wanting to do that in mid-March, but if it's just a regular catalpa tree, mid-March is the time too.
2: Uh, next person says they have a nectarine tree, two of the limbs, basically the nectarines fell off. The limbs both died. Uh, they thought it might be a boar, but they can't seem to find one. What else could be the problem?
3: There are a few things that they could look up. One of them is a disease called Cytospora, and it's spelled C-Y-T-O-S-P-O-R-A. And they can listen to our podcast to get that, but Cytospora is one thing that could have taken them out or winter damage. J.D. Gunnell and I have been working on an article and maybe some segments about why we had so much tree death over the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. and it's all has to do with weather and drought stress. But if the we've had a lot of peaches and cherries damaged over the last couple of years because the conductive tissue and the tissue they use to propagate and make new branches and things have been killed or damaged and so we've seen a lot of fruit trees go mid to mid season look healthy and within a couple of weeks just collapse. And so it could be that too.
2: That's devastating. Okay, next person says their lawn has been full of hundreds of mushrooms all summer. They think it's probably from the roots of a removed aspen tree. Is there anything that they can do to prevent that next summer? That's
3: very likely. And unfortunately, until the aspen roots are decomposed, probably not. They can water during the summer so that they're watering at twice a week and letting the lawn dry out and that will minimize the numbers that come up, but especially in the spring and fall, there's not a lot.
2: Okay. Wendy is on the line in Sandy. Good morning, Wendy. What was your question?
4: I have got a hail peach tree. It's only about four or five years old. Um, had good peaches come out on it. I print, I, I thin them back to every six inches. I have some peaches that are almost the size of softballs that are huge. There's only about four or five of them. And all the rest of the peaches on the tree are about the size of a ping pong ball.
3: This could What's be going on? a few things. How is the tree in the lawn?
4: Well, it has lawn next to it. So it gets watered with the lawn, but it also has drips.
3: Okay. And how often is the drip just near the trunk or is it spread out under the canopy?
4: The drip is pretty near the trunk.
3: Okay, that's but not the lawn's doing. Not very far away. Yeah, that's not doing a whole lot of good for the tree. That drip needs to be spread out under the entire canopy using rings of drip tubing. That is called inline tubing. I'd probably yes. use pressure compensating, but I think the tree is moderately drought stressed and the fruit is suffering. So even on the lawn, if a portion of the roots are going <clears throat> under there the way we water lawns is that we water six inches deep and the, the feeder roots on that tree start at about six inches deep. And so even on the lawn Hmm. once or twice a month, I get a hose in (laughs) sprinkler and water under the root, under the canopy of the tree to force water down there. And then on your drip, you're going to water once every seven to 10 days so that water reaches 18 inches to two feet deep into the soil. Okay. The reason I suspect that it is drought in this situation is because our orchards Uh in Weber County and down in Utah County have not been experiencing this problem. They have a lot of problems due to weather, Uh but this hasn't been one of them. And so the difference (coughs) is the irrigation in the two situations.
4: Well, we have another peach tree in the backyard that's uh, Alberta, and it's having no problems at all. In fact, I've got... Tons of peaches, but it doesn't have lawn around it. It has gravel and it has a drip system.
3: Yeah, and even on that one, just to try to get the tree as healthy as you can, I would put concentric rings every 18 inches to two feet under the canopy of the tree and then water Uh weekly and deeply so that it protects the the tree's health. With that mulch, you may be able to go every 10 days or maybe even a little longer, depending on how thick it is.
4: Okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you. I've just been scratching my head
2: going, what? All right, Wendy. <laughs> thanks so much for your call this morning. A Nexus Nerton says that their poppies have gone brown. They know it's the time of year where they start to do that. They're just wondering if they should cut those dead stalks back now.
3: It depends. They can easily collect the seed, <clears throat> excuse me, seed heads and just disperse the seeds throughout the area. Mm-hmm by crushing them in their hands and just letting them float. Or they can cut them back if they're mostly brown and just let them come back next year.
2: Okay. Mike is on the line in Bluffdale. Good morning, Mike. What was your question?
4: Uh, Yes. I bought a bunch of uh, uh, bare root. Uh, They're just small ones. Uh, The thorough giant Arborvitae, And I wanted to find out the best way to plant those. I have bought some containers that are about, a foot tall. I bought the Miracle Grow potting mix. And I was wondering if that would just work out good for them because I bought a 80 of those, and then uh, about 80 privet hedge that I want to plant. But I want to winter them over. I guess in my garage. I, okay,
3: so you're going to plant uh, them yeah. into soil in pots. Yes. I would. The, yeah, I the Miracle Grow soil is fine. Grow- yeah. Um. And just what you're going to do is let them do their thing outside. Are they leafed out or just?
4: No, they're just going to be like six or eight inches tall. Bare root. Okay, when are you getting them in? Uh, They're supposed to be coming in uh, the end of this month, August. Ah,
3: darn it! I unfortunately, it's going to be warm enough that they're going to try to break dormancy. And so what you could do if they are bare root is you could try refrigerating them until, say, November and plant them then uh-huh. because they're dormant or delay the order.
4: Uh-huh. That's when they ship them out. They say they ship them out like that. They so. do.
3: But right now we're still in the 80s and 90s and your garage is going to be too warm and it's going to force them to break dormancy.
4: I could plant them outside and then just bring them in in the winter. Well, I do that? that's
3: my other problem because it's so late in the season, you don't want them expending the energy for new growth and new leaves and then six weeks later having it drop because okay. of our growing season. And I would see if they can delay your shipment. Okay.
4: I can check on that, yeah. Or, could I or have see around? if you
3: can have them ship sometime in February and plant them out oh. and put them in your garage and then when danger of frost is gone, bring them out and let them acclimate that way. But I would not do any bare root plants right now.
4: Okay. righty. That's what I need to find out.
2: Thank All you. All right, Mike. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton says or asks, why are there tomatoes splitting?
3: The rainstorms most likely, you know, will irrigate and then all of a sudden we get a rainstorm and there's enough water in the soil that it causes a flush of growth and what will happen because the tomato skins are in essence brittle. They can't keep up because they're not elastic enough and they split.
2: Okay, next listener has a 10-year-old peach tree that has had either Carinian blight or bores. The branches have died, and there are very few left. It is alive, and it produces a few peaches each year, but it never grows any new branches or growth anywhere. They keep cutting the dead branches off, but they're wondering if there is a way to get it to produce more leaves and branches, or is it just dying?
3: I would go to the garden center and find a new peach Mm -hmm. and just plant it and keep that one going as long as they can.
2: Okay, next listener says they have vinca major that has crept in around their roses and it's thriving. Aren't aren't the roses better off growing without the ground cover?
3: They are. So, you, they might have to go in once a month and just dig that vinca out. Vinca major is one that we don't generally recommend planting because it's so aggressive it and is. hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing I would know to do is to get a string trimmer and just go in there and teach it a lesson around the roses once a month to keep it at bay.
2: Okay. We're going to take a break. Come back with the final segment of the show. Number to call 801-575-8255. You can text us five seven five zero zero.
1: A gun in the face.
3: Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today
2: Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you taking your calls. Final segment of the show, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at five seven five zero zero. Our next listener, Ton, says that their pumpkins have been slow to produce. How can they boost them to get bigger in the next month?
3: Just keep them watered. Don't fertilize because that's going to cause a lot of green growth. And that's all they can do and hopefully they will ripen in time. Now, I have noticed that if a pumpkin is green Mm -hmm. and it has any hint of yellow or orange in it, you can pick it, and it will ripen on its own. And so sometimes I've actually seen farmers do that to where they will take the green pumpkins and then just set them aside for two or three weeks, and they ripen, and then they can later be sold. But all they can do is be patient and make sure that... They keep the pumpkins properly watered. Anything that they could have done should have been done in May and June as far as getting those bigger. But we had that stent, was it through July? They were consistently above 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. And that will cause a lot of pollination problems where the flowers just fall off the plants. And that might be why their their pumpkins are so late. They
2: still have a whole month, though. They
3: do. And they also need to make sure that they hopefully are watering by drip instead of overhead watering because it's getting cooler and powdery mildew will start attacking all of our cucurbits, so the squash and pumpkins and, you know, things of that. So they need to focus on hopefully drip irrigation if they can.
2: So Dee is in Camas and she's asking, uh, she says her lilac bush leaves are nice and green, but they're leathery and curling up. And wonders why that would
3: sounds happen. like 24 D or dicamba damage from somebody the lawn else weed has killer.
2: sprayed around, and the that trees.
3: stuff can drift in from hundreds of feet away.
2: Uh, next listener would like to know if you have some suggestions for any shorter maples with color. Are there shorter maples with color? Yes,
3: rugged charm or hot wings maple are two that they could look at that are gorgeous. The hot wings. The little seed heads that the maples get turn a brilliant red Mm -hmm. and they're just beautiful on the tree. So those are two, if they wanted a slightly different tree, something like autumn brilliant service berry, not a maple, but it stays small and has really good fall color also.
2: Okay. Uh, Next person would like to know when is the best time and the process to plant a fig tree?
3: I would wait for spring to plant one. And but I would order one as soon as they're available for shipping in late winter or spring. And there are two of them that are fairly common there's one called brown turkey and another one called Chicago Hardy. There are some other cold hardy figs out there. I think One Green World sells one, I can't remember what they call it, but that's an online a mail-order nursery, Mm -hmm. in essence. So they could check One Green World's website out, but brown turkey and Chicago hardy are the two common ones we grow in Utah.
2: Uh, Next person says they have a 20-year-old linden tree. They've lost 50% of the greenery on it. Uh, They suspect a borer, and they want to know if this tree can be saved, or do they need to just remove it?
3: Well, if borers are in there... It's because the tree's already stressed. Linden's don't have a specific borer like peaches do Mm -hmm. that get into them. And if there's borers in the tree, it's because the tree's unhealthy. Linden's, for as beautiful as they are, are actually wimpy trees. They're they're not drought hardy, so they need to be watered every seven to ten days. And some other, I call them wimpy as far as their drought hardiness, Okay, but they're good trees otherwise, but they also are very susceptible to being planted too deeply. And so if the tree is going into the ground and it looks just like a pencil with no root flare or trunk flare at the base, it's planted too deeply. So they should be able that tree as it comes down, should flare out as the roots start, and if it's not, it's too deep. But the other thing that they're susceptible to are girdling roots from the containers they were grow in. Over a period of 15 or 20 years, it's really common for them to be killed or severely damaged by girdling roots.
2: Okay, uh, so 50 percent of it's dead. Is, the, is it done?
3: Not necessarily. I would dig down along the trunk just with a small shovel and carefully and go down six inches to a foot to see if there's a girdling root that can be cut out. Otherwise, uh, make sure that it's watered every seven to ten days deeply. And if the dead portions still have green tissue, it may relief next year.
2: Okay. uh, Next listener would like to know when to harvest spaghetti squash.
3: Spaghetti squash should be harvested when they cannot easily stick their fingernail into the squash. And it should bend your fingernail back, your thumbnail, and it will develop a waxy coating on it so that it's kind of a matte look instead of being shiny.
2: Hmm. And I've gone through all the questions, Tom, which is amazing. Mm, we did it. I know. So I'll ask you a park strip question since we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, we are redoing our park strip. I should have put some, uh, I guess, I should have covered it and done some other weed prevention stuff. But at this point, the lawn is all dead because we haven't watered it for two years. We knew we were going to take it out. Um, But there are some weeds. What's the best way to go about that now?
3: Well, you can just cut the weeds down once a month. They're not big. They're just, yeah. yeah, Otherwise, um, I would water them in a little bit and then wait a day and then spray them with a weed killer. Okay. Like Roundup or kills all.
2: And then should we... How should we prepare that soil for new plants? Well, the dead
3: grass should come out because it can be difficult to have things grow through it, especially if you do seeds. So even
2: though it looks dead, I need to make sure and dig down how far.
3: I would go down a couple inches, just get through the under the thatch layer. Okay, and cut that out. Sometimes a powerful tiller, like an eight horse Honda or something, will kind of tear through it. You'll it'll be bucking and jumping, but you might be able to do that. But otherwise, a sod cutter or a lot of upper body exercise with a flat spade <laughs> to peel it out. It's all exercise. But with it being two it? year old, two years old, it may hmm. not be as hard as when it first no, I
2: was No, I think tilling is probably a great yeah. idea. And then do I need to pull all that stuff out? I can't just leave any well, of that in there, right? I would just,
3: I mean, if there's little bits in there, but a lot of times it comes up in chunks that are six inches or a foot wide, and those should come out.
2: And then do I need to spray the weeds before doing that,
3: I would spray the weeds out and wait a week before doing
2: it. Okay. Because it's going to be some construction work there, so I have plenty of time to spray. Yeah. All right. Well, Ton, it's been a great show. We have had a lot of great topics today. I want to remind our listeners, our plan of the week was the upright fall sedum and that was at 8 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, we did bindweed suppression. And in the 10 o'clock hour, if you missed it, uh, and I'm telling you this not to make you feel bad that you missed it, because you can actually go back and listen to all of these segments. We had uh, we talked about water-wise landscaping for your park strip, and we had Savannah Peterson, who's a horticulturist, join us. Uh, she's actually in charge of the Flip Your Strip program for the Utah Central Utah Water Conservancy District. You can go back and listen to all of our segments every week. We are on podcast, so you can check out the podcast, kslpodcast.com. You just scroll down, you see the KSL Greenhouse. Uh, They usually go up later in the afternoon, so you can check those out and hear all these segments. Uh, Also, we do have articles up on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page that you can check out. And uh, When it comes to bind weeds, you have done two really great videos for folks because Morning Glory the Weed, is really a problem, especially this time of year. They yeah. can check that out on the YouTube channel, the KSL Greenhouse Show on YouTube.
3: They you check them out and just watch them, and they'll give you some suggestions. So we really appreciate our listeners.
2: We do. We had some really interesting topics this week, uh, people talking about ants in their gardens and, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff, things that are really uh, tormenting people. becoming
3: a problem because it's fall, and they're becoming aggressive, foraging yeah. for food.
2: If you are looking forward to next week in the Greenhouse Show, we can uh, give them a kind of a preview of some of the things that we wanted to talk about. In the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about uh, the plant of the week is going to be chrysanthemums because people are kind of, I want to say they have a misconception about planting chrysanthemums. You see them in the stores right now. They are so beautiful, but not the best time to plant them. So we're going to be talking about chrysanthemums as the plant of the week in the 8 o'clock hour. At 9 o'clock next week, well, you and I were talking just about the huge number of wasps that we are seeing and controls. Uh, we're going to talk about that as well. Have a great weekend.
1: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home.